My granddad was a Mac V saw guy in Vietnam, old school badass, uh, 87, still jumping around. He's, yeah, he's, he's a badass. But then my dad, my dad was a Green Beret and then he was a uh, government contractor. Right around the same time I refused the vaccine, so did he. <clears throat> and I was talking to him on the phone. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to, this is the hill I die on. And he's like, oh, that's cool, man. I'm probably going to get fired. I was like, what the fuck? What, what did you do? He's like, I refused it. These are the best steaks I've ever had. They're from Riverbend Ranch. Find out how you can purchase these steaks and cook them at home. With the rising prices of meat, this is one of the best places to go. They're better than grass-fed to grass-finished. They have no growth hormones, no antibiotics, and no mRNA vaccines. Join me on October 10th at 8 central p.m. Click the link below or go to joinmyproject.com. That's joinmyproject.com. J-O-I-N-M-Y-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. Joinmyproject.com. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything and to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. I want to thank everybody for all your support, especially my Patreon supporters. We've got a, an anonymous donor at $20.20 a month. We have the Pandemic Reprimando uh, tier at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Megan. And we have the self-made $10 level with Kevin and Pat and Bev. We have the refined, not burned level at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, Ken, Rick, Mary. We also have Addison Mulder giving $3 a month and Frank giving $1.50 a month. And then the Courage is Contagious tier at $1 a month with Amanda, Jay, Spesnasty, Durrell, Susan, BB King, and Caleb. I want to thank everybody, all the new supporters on. There's a few new ones there, new names. If you want to get your name on this list and be mentioned every time at the beginning of every episode and in the credits and help me, look at my Patreon, see if it's something right for you. I want to introduce my next guest. He's very special. He is Mike Glover, not the Mike Glover that you may have seen in other places. This Mike Glover was in the Ranger Regiment. Mike, great to have you on. I appreciate it, Sam. It's good to be here. Okay, so we had a technical difficulty, but now we should be back. All right, Mike Glover, great to have you on. Tell me your experience, because you have a unique experience. You were in the Ranger Regiment, and you did some work with them. And the reason you're no longer in the military is because of the whole COVID shot issue. Tell us some of your story. Yeah, I did just under 10 years in the 75th Ranger Regiment. I did six plus a couple months six to seven years in first range battalion i was uh went through the normal progression of a enlisted guy from private just carrying a, a rifle i was a gun team leader i ended up being a sniper team leader and then a fire team leader is my last job while i was there i did six deployments in my six years and then about halfway through my last deployment they were requesting guys to go up to fort benning to go be instructors at rasp at ranger assessment selection program so basically it's going to be probably one guy from each company had to go one or two i was on that list and i said okay yeah it sounds like a good deal be a good break so i went up there and i was a marksmanship instructor and then I worked in the what's called pre-rasp which is basically the holding cell for uh candidates before they actually start the uh 
RAS program. So, and I did that up until from 2019, late 2019, up until September 14th of uh, 2022. And that, that was my last day on active duty because uh, I got chaptered, obviously, for refusing the uh, vaccine. Now, before we started recording, you told me a little bit about what was going on. But when word of the shot first came out, what were what was your feeling? What was your impression? What was going on with, let's say, you and your wife? Was she on board with your stance or did she did she get on board with your stance at a certain point when she realized things were different than what they were telling everyone? Oh, I think it, it to make that decision, it went back a little bit farther than that. So on my fourth deployment, I was in Syria and that was, I think, the first time I, I actually got to see the second and third order effects of what we were doing at the time. And it, it this ties into to it later. So I saw, oh, wow, we're not just the U.S. government doing the U.S. government stuff. We were actually helping people trying to clear ISIS out of the city. So then I did another deployment to Afghanistan. And then I went on my, my final deployment, my sixth deployment to Afghanistan. Great time. I worked with some of the greatest people I've ever met. Still talk to most of them today, to this day. But uh, what I thought was weird is we were action tar- our actioning targets left and right. We had a pretty active summer. So we, but my first objective that deployment, and then my last objective on that deployment were relatively close to each other to the point where it was almost went in a, almost the same village, if I remember correctly. And it got me thinking, I'm not anti-war by any means, but I'm like, what are we, what are we accomplishing here? So then I started, that kind of opened my mind up a little bit more to, I guess, think on my own. So then I go up to be a uh, instructor at Fort Benning. But what Again, year was that? job. I worked with guys from, that was in, so I was deployed for the summer of 2019. And then I went to Fort Benning in November or December of 2019. So I had a, I opened it and I, I grew up, my dad is a retired Green Beret. That's actually how I know uh, John, funny enough, but uh, he's a retired Green Beret and then he was a government contractor. So I grew up uh, around the military and around the deployment lifestyle. But anyway, we, when I was up at Fort Benning, basically, I think I did maybe one class and I was a brand new instructor. So I was uh, shadowing the other more senior guys at the time. And then the whole pandemic kicked off. Everything started locking down. I started really questioning everything then because every, to my knowledge, every or at least most other schools and selections in the soft community or just in the military in general were put on halt. I actually had a buddy who got turned down from uh, going to uh, CAG selection twice. Uh, He got accepted once and then turned down two more times after that um, because of COVID. Brass was still running. We were still running classes, full classes. We were only we were doing three day work weeks, but we were it was still running. So I started questioning it as I was like, I'm around anywhere from fifty to hundred and sixty five students on a daily basis. Is this is really as dangerous as we think? And most Rangers are pretty pretty healthy people. Most Green Berets, most people in the soft community are pretty healthy, athletic guys. And it's a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. So I, I personally never got it. And if I didn't know, I never missed a day of work uh, for it. I started questioning it and I went through all the different theories on, is this real? Is it, is this just a psyop against the American people from our own government, from China, from whoever? Yep. Yeah. So you were saying that, I want to make sure I got this right, that all of these schools stop making, stop taking students. Is that what you said? To my knowledge, at least most of them did where they were shutting down schoolhouses. I'm not sure about airborne school, which should be actually the one that I know the most about. 
other than RAS because we sent them straight from RAS to Airborne. But it was just weird to me that I'd heard, I could be completely wrong on this, but I'd heard through the grapevine, Buds had stopped, um, SFAS had stopped, CAG selection had stopped, but not permanently, but a couple, they had, were, I think they were waiting to figure out what was going to happen. Yeah. But we kept running. The range regiment kept, we kept, the machine continues to turn. So that's made me be like, oh, what are we doing here? I just want to draw I, attention I to that. that the These pipelines stopping for a short period of time means that those men at the tip of the spear, the ones that fight the wars these days, they, we weren't making them for a period of time, month, two months, I don't know how long. But that's how scared everyone was that when you had doctors saying yeah, it, it was incredible. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's a 99.86% survival rate. Yeah, it was a. It was weird to me to see the upper echelon, and I, I was a staff sergeant. I was an E6. By the time information got to me, it was completely different. But it was, it was weird to see that. And some people within my uh, chain of command took that as, we're 75th Range Regiment. You need a job done, you give it to the 75th Range Regiment. We'll make something, no matter what, we make stuff happen. But at first, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Like, you give Rangers a task, we're going to make it happen. But also, on the more intellectual side of that, I was like, I don't think so. That To me, that just sounds like something that command teams push out to motivate the guys or whatever they want to call it um but yeah the um i so i, I made my decision after i i was like I, I don't need a shot that's experimental that technically was illegal at the time because there's the eua going on but uh they weren't uh, actually authorized uh, to my knowledge the order that um lloyd austin put out was actually illegal i told my company commander i said I'm, i took an oath just like everyone else did and i my morals don't allow me to follow unlawful orders, and my oath doesn't. Obviously, I've seen that people who take the oath seriously are looked down on now. Um, basically, if you don't toe the line and do what you're told, you're a problem. So anyway, I, I made the decision I'm not going to get it. And I was actually going through some brain scans and some neurological stuff at the time, just from, and every ranger has this, Every anyone who's been in combat has this, just a lot of TBIs and brain issues, sleep, irritability, all kinds of stuff. Memory loss is my biggest problem. I told my company commander, I was like, hey, sir, I don't, I'm going to hold off from getting this shot because I was trying to buy myself some time. And I went over to the, I said, I'm going to buy myself some time so that I don't, because I'm worried about the blood clotting. And I don't want to die at the time I was 27 or 28, 29 now, but I was like, I don't want to. I'm not going to die over this, over a shot. And he said, okay, that's fine. But the next step in the counseling is you have to go talk to your medical provider. So I walked across the street to the uh, ranger clinic there and talked to either a PA or a doctor, but it was a ranger wearing a tambourine, scroll on his shoulder. He was a major. I wish I remembered his name. And I uh, voiced my concerns to him. And without missing a beat, he said, oh, the COVID shot will actually help with your memory loss. And at that point, I just said, Roger, sir. And I turned around and uh, walked out. And that, that was when I made the decision. I was like, all right, this is the end of my career. This, this is it for me. So I went back into my company commander's office and uh, told him, and he was, he was a good guy. He was a good commander. Um, I don't knock him necessarily. Um, I do knock him because he was uh, in line with all the other officers and senior, senior NCOs that said, oh, I'm just doing my job. But I don't knock him because he did go to bat for me uh, a couple of different times throughout the process to make sure I was taken care of. But anyway, I told him, I said, hey, sir, I'm not taking the shot. He said, is it medical? Is it religious? And uh, you and I discussed, I'm not a, at the time, I wasn't very much a, a very religious guy uh, since I've changed. Um, but I said, no, sir. I was like, uh, it's a moral thing for me. And um, I told him what the doctor said. And I said, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just not going to do it. So tell me where to sign so we can start this process. And that was sometime in tw late 2021. It took him a year to get me, a year and a half to get me out of the army, it seems like. 
he was good about it. And we actually skipped quite a few steps. I got a, it's supposed to be like a six week process or something. I can't remember off the top of my head where you got to go talk to this person and they're not allowed to take any adverse action against you. That was in Secretary Austin's directives and his orders. So they gave, I part of the, I call it the coercion steps. It wasn't counseling. I was, they were trying to coerce me to get it. They said, if you don't get it, you're going to get a GOMAR, General Officer's Memorandum of Reprimand. I was like, okay, you just, just tell me where to sign. I got a GOMAR. I actually plan on framing that. I put it next to my Ranger plaques. Yes. Were you in that auditorium when some general, I, I don't know if it was Major General Donahoe, was giving everyone a GOMAR? And there was a man in a suit who was a captain, Captain Ritter. And he stood up and said, you lie or something to that nature and said, you don't have uh, coherency. No, and they escorted him out. Were you there? No, I wish I was, though. He, he's another friend and I've interviewed him a while back. Yeah, it sounds like it's cut from the same cloth. That sounds like a good American to me. But yeah, and I ended up talking about it. They didn't know what to do. It was my company commander told me, and you talk to any officer in Ranger Regiment, they, they go back to the conventional army back and forth to go do time there uh, before they come back. So they spend half their career in the conventional army. They, uh, and a lot of them joke around and say, yeah, most of your job as an officer in the conventional army is actually uh, discipline and action and kicking people out of the army. But when it came to the COVID shot, they're like, we have no idea what to do. We didn't expect this. So I'm like, okay. I kept working, kept doing my job, would go to work every day. I'd run PT with the candidates, with the other uh, cadre, up until probably, I'd say, my last four months. And I remember I told my NCUIC, a guy named Dylan, a uh, real good buddy of mine, good guy. But he, I told him, and I told the, I say the boys, uh, I told the other guys that I was instructors with, I said, uh, it was a Friday. I was like, hey, I'm not going to be here on Monday. And they're like, what, are you taking leave? And I was like, nah, I was like, uh, you know, I'm getting fired, man. I was like, why would I continue to work if I'm getting fired? Told Dylan and they were all, yeah, that, that makes total sense, man. There's a couple a couple people that didn't appreciate that, but my company commander did tell me, because I would come in maybe once every week or two, had a big mustache, wearing gym clothes the whole time. But I went into my company commander's office and I was like, hey, sir, just touching base, trying to see where we're at. He's like, we got nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I was like, hey, I'm going to be traveling quite a bit, going to different job interviews out of state. And he was really good about it. Like I was saying earlier, he was like, you told me, like, dude, you do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself and your family. And he actually recommended to the battalion commander that I get an honorable discharge. So he folded, but he also, there's horror stories of other guys whose chain of command were ruthless to him. Actually, a, a friend of mine got kicked out of the Marine Corps and got an honor, other honorable discharge because of it. So I'm fortunate enough that I, I did at the time, my chain of, they ended up switching out about my last three months. And, but that chain of command I had at the time, my company commander, my first sergeant were, they were rock stars about it. And my battalion commander. And time Star Major. They were good about it, but it was not to rant, but it, it was also an eye-opening experience. And just like for anyone is, it would be. Actually, I sent an email to my battalion commander, and uh, long story short, I said, I see everyone across the soft community, the military, across range regiment, everyone's a sellout right now. And I said, we, to my knowledge, we're the, and it's not me patting myself on the back at all. I was just fortunate enough to be in a great organization. We're the only unit that deploys to combat, and we're not you know, deployed to Japan, but deploying to Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, name your name your war zone, every single year. Rangers have been in combat every single day since October of 2001. I was like, me, the one thing we're really good at, not to sound like a war mom, we're really good at killing bad guys. And we love to do it. But so these guys, were all, they're okay with leaving their families, going to war. That's all we look forward to is deployment as a ranger. That's all you care about is I just want to go on deployment. But they were afraid to say no. 
to the chain of command for this. So they're not scared to go get shot, blown up, kill people, fast rope out of helicopters in the middle of the night onto the doing an X landing on a roof. But they're afraid to say no to their chain of command for a shot that they know is dangerous. And I know guys that have that are within regiment or outside of regiment, both that are having medical problems now that were physical specimens. Only thing that changed in their life was they got a shot. And now there's guys with heart problems, all kinds of stuff. You're a doctor better than I do. But it was because of that email, I actually had to, my uh, battalion commander emailed me back. And he said, Staff Sergeant Glover, I appreciate your concern, but I would like to, if you would like to have a teleconference, I'm willing to do that. So I read this email out loud to all my buddies who were all E5s, E6s, and E7s also. And one of them, uh, a guy named Damien, he said, said, Mike, that's your cue to shut the hell up. So I was like, no, I emailed him back, typed up. I said, sir, instead of a teleconference, I'd like to have a face-to-face meeting. So he said, okay, be in my office March 7th or whatever it was at 09. So I went over there and I'd sent this on a template, actually on staff duty, because you have to do a one up, one down kind of thing. And on the template, it literally says, use me, do not save over me. You and I, just from this interview, I'm a caveman with technology and I saved over on an accident. Without my knowledge. So everyone who had been on staff duty since then had seen, oh, what did what Mike say? So the whole battalion saw this. I didn't know that. I go up to S3 and I'm waiting in the S3 office talking to some of my buddies that were former cadre with me. And they're like, oh, you're here to talk to the commander? And I'm like, how, how do you guys know about that? And they're like, dude, the whole battalion, most of the regiment knows about what you said right now. <laughs> Great. So I ended up, I go into the office. You hit reply all. And, Don't hit um, reply all. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically what I did. And I was like, this is going to be a good time. So I go over there and I'm talking to Colonel Utlout was his name. Uh, I think he just switched out of command there. I don't know where he's at now. He's another good guy. And he was doing something on his computer and he's like, hey, Sergeant Glover, give me like five minutes. The battalion sergeant major wants to be in here for this. Now, as a NCO, I was like, fuck, <laughs> I'm going to get in a lot of, the battalion sergeant major wants to hear this. So now, now it's going to go downhill. It didn't. I go in there, they close the door, I sit down. Uh, I talked to him for about an hour and a half, voiced my concerns, not only with COVID, but just how the military's turning woke and all that other stuff that we know about. And I thought it was going to be a shut up, you're wrong, do what you're told conversation. It ended up being probably one of the best uh, leadership development moments in my career. And when I was leaving, I told him, actually, one important thing, my battalion commander, Colonel Lou Loud, did tell me, he said, hey, I do agree with the uh, vaccine mandate. I told him, I was like, sir, I actually respect you for even admitting that to me because every other officer in your battalion right now has told me they don't agree with it, but they're still going to enforce it. So I, I guess he had the... Officers of the battalion got talked to after that. But when I was leaving, gave my salute, ranged to the way, sir, shook their hands, and my battalion commander said, This is the best, what's it called? Not sensing session, climate, command climate survey I've ever had. He said, This is the best one I've ever heard. I was like, I appreciate it. You got to hear, you got to hear from the, the mid level guys, the guys, for lack of better terms, boots on the ground. So the guys that are actually doing, I don't want to say doing the work, everyone's doing a job, but the guys that are in the trenches, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good conversation. Uh, I don't have any bad blood with with my command team necessarily. I do. I did lose a lot of respect for them and some of my very close friends because, like I was saying earlier, we all went to war quite a few times. Everyone's been on target. Everyone's Most guys have been shot. I personally have not. I'm good at finding cover. But guys have been shot, blown up, killed people, lost friends, all kinds of stuff. And I told him, I was like, it's scary to me that we are, we're scared to say no to this, but we're okay with doing that. So it was an eye-opening experience, though, for sure. What what I think is amazing is those men are just like you said they're not too afraid to go put their life in 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 the line of jeopardy where they could die they could be maimed they could never see their family again but yet just saying no to up 
defend the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, which yep. they raised their right hand, all of them, swore to defend, that's too difficult. Putting their life on the line, yeah. they can do that. But saying no and potentially giving up their career, which is not deadly, and there's always a safety net that God always provides for those that love him. And tell us, you have been caught by that safety net, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. So where are you uh, working now? You know, right now I'm working for a, so I live up in uh, Pennsylvania, fell on hard times as we were getting out, right before I got out, they uh, issued my orders about a month early because I, I was saying they didn't know what to do with me. And then one day uh, S1 called me and said, hey, uh, you got five days to be out of the army. I was actually, I had to go to a job interview. So I had five business days and it knocked it down to about three. But so the army didn't pay me my final paycheck or the 57 or 58 leave days. And then I have to pay back a reenlistment contract from 2018. Basically the uh, army tried to financially wow. screw me over. Eventually I'm going to, I'm going to, that's going to be a court case. But so I live up in Pennsylvania and we had to move in with my in-laws. So I'm technically a uh, homeless, unemployed, disabled veteran. But no, I work for a company called Direct Action Resource Center. Down, we're out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And I was actually applying to be a uh, game warden up in Indiana, which I honestly had no interest in, but I was like, whatever, I got nothing else. Let's see what happens. Myself and one of my best friends, we were a sniper team together, grew up together in regiment. He was the one that talked me into it. Me and him both made it to the final interview and we were turned down after the, excuse me, after the final interview, because we didn't have enough outdoor experience. I'm glad it happened. One day I'm driving home from Fort Benning and I call a direct action resource center, Scott Darcy. So I call the owner of Darcy, his name's Rich Mason, and I talked to him in 2018 trying to go to a Darcy course while I was in 175. Didn't make it down there, but so I knew who he was. I somewhat knew about Darcy, and I told him, I said, hey, I know you can't hire me, but I would. Is there anyone in the industry that can't hire me? Because at this point, I was like, you know what, I'll just open up a marksmanship, one-man marksmanship show, but I need to go work for somebody to learn how it works first and get acquire some capital. So I talked, ended up, that ended up being a three hour conversation with him. And he is the, out of all these other guys that I had talked to uh, in that industry, he's the only one that actually extended an opportunity. He said, uh, what are you doing on these dates? This is back in September. I was on the phone with him in August. And he said, do you want to come out here to a job interview? And I was like, absolutely. I told him, do you want me to shadow as an instructor? And he laughed and he said, no, you're going to be in a, you're going to be a student surrounded by a bunch of civilians who haven't slept in four days. I'm going to see how you work as a leader. And I was like, that sounds like a blast. So I went there, it's a course called Tusk. Um, and <clears throat> I guess they like what they saw, but Rich Mason, I, I owe him and his, and his wife, Caitlin as well. I owe them a lot because it's a job. It, it's a hundred percent a job They're, They are my employer, but I also look at them as like a, like mentors, like a cool aunt, uncle that are always there to help you out. So they, uh, they extended this opportunity and we're here a year later. I'm going down there next week. I teach a, uh, redevelop the designated marksman course for them. I help teach Tusk. We're moving down there so I can be a full-time employee sometime in the fall. So that I can, so once I'm working there, we'll be, te I'll be assisting with the explosive breaching stuff that we do and the counterterrorism, and we got sniper programs and all that kind of stuff. But Darcy is definitely, I'm, well, I'm actually wearing the hat, but uh, Darcy is definitely, I'm not, like I was saying, I've somewhat become a little bit more religious. And I say that's also because of uh, my parents who have also become religious and because of uh, Rich and Caitlin, they're religious, but they don't push it. Um, and Rich actually uses the Bible as a history book which I found very interesting. I had never really looked into it. And I don't know what it was, but I made that one phone call and it wasn't because of me that I got that job. But somebody was looking out for myself, my family, and my wife and 
I got a six month old daughter, which was also a great part of getting kicked out of the army. I was like, Hey, my wife's pregnant. And you're like, good luck, man. Figure it out. But yeah, Dar- Darcy's a, it's a training industry. It's a business. But if you talk to anybody who's ever been to a course, they'll rant about the best thing on earth. So I owe them a lot and uh, I, I plan on giving them the best instructor capabilities that I possibly can until I'm burnt out or they get tired of me. And also on top of that, like I was saying, somebody was looking out for me. Uh, my buddy that we were going to go be game wards together, he uh, got out of regiment. He was in the Indiana or yeah, Indiana National Guard. And he got out of that and was like, oh, okay, I'm going to move down to Arkansas to work at the SIG ammo plant. One time when I'm down there, we were like, hey, send, send me your address. Send, send me where you're at. He's 20 minutes from the compound. So we're, we're going to try to get a house in the same neighborhood as, guy, as this guy. So somebody was looking out. I got one of my best friends that I've deployed with multiple times and known since I was 18 down there. And I got a great job. So they, it's, it, things are looking out. For a while there, it was definitely a meat grinder, though. It's amazing how God works all things for good for those who love him. And I'm glad you're seeing that come into fruition now. One other thing that I should have mentioned earlier, I was talking about, I grew up in a, I don't want to say a military household. We moved around a lot, but when people hear military household, they think like dads and they're doing a white glove inspection. My, my dad was not like that. But so my granddad was a Mac V saw guy in Vietnam, old school, badass, 87. Wow. Still jumping around like, wow. yeah, he's, he's a badass. So then my dad, my dad was a Green Beret and then he was a uh, government contractor. Right around the same time I refused the vaccine, so did he. <clears throat> and I was talking to him on the phone. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to, this is the hill I die on. And he's like, oh, that's cool, man. I'm probably going to get fired. I was like, what the fuck? What, what did you do? He's like, I refused it. And I'm not taking it anymore. Ironically, they've asked, the United States government has asked him to come back. I was unofficially asked if I wanted to come back in. Both of us have said the same decision. The way that you treated people and are still treating people and the way that you, people folded like paper, I'll, I will probably never go back into the military. I don't, I don't knock, I don't knock the guys that are in. I do knock the guys that said, and there's plenty of them that said, oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. They can't make me. And they all folded like paper. So I, I did lose respect for those guys. But what I was saying is I'd say it's a uh, bloodline thing to be non-compliant on some issues. My mom didn't get it. My brother didn't get it. <clears throat> my wife didn't. My daughter's not going to ever. She's only six months, but she's not going to get it. I didn't get it. <clears throat> I'm fortunate to be part of a family and married into a family of strong, good Americans, for sure. It's amazing. It's great that your dad, independent of you, y'all both said, I'm not doing this. This is not right. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird because I didn't know he was doing it. And I don't think that he knew that I was doing it. And, uh, it was, it's strange that it all came to the, came to a head. Like you're saying, God works everything out. I'd hung out with my dad on two of my six deployments, which I thought was strange to see him overseas. And then, and now we're both in the same boat. He's 64. He's retired, enjoying life. He's, he, has, he was all, he was actually really worried about it. We're running out of time here, but he was actually worried about it financially. He's, man, I went from making quite a bit of money as a government contractor for the last 18 years, I guess. He retired in 03, got fired in 21 or something like that. For roughly 18 years, he was making pretty good money. He's retired lieutenant colonel. Now he's living off retirement. And then about a month later, he was like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. Nobody's calling me. Nobody emails me. He's like, this is awesome. <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> but he's a good American. <laughs> and so is my mom. My mom, somehow they've been married for awesome. 35 some years. And she went a lot of times military marriages don't last and somehow they've stuck it out. 
She's a rock star. She's actually the rock of the family. She's the shadow governor, I'd say. She's the one that keeps it all together. <laughs> yeah, my uh, great aunt would always say that, yeah, the man may be the head of the household, but the woman is the neck, and she directs the head where to go. <laughs> yeah, my mom always used to tell us, she's, your dad may be a colonel, but I'm the general when we were kids. <laughs> Um, as we're talking about family, my wife was, she was pretty indifferent on it. She, she's a rock star. She's awesome. I love her to death. Gave me a beautiful daughter, but she was indifferent on it. But she, the reason that I think she's so great, one of the many reasons is she did not grow up in a military family. I met her when I was in Savannah, Georgia. She was going to school in Newfork, South Carolina. And fast forward, we're married, blah, blah, blah. She moved with me. Has She's from a small town in Pennsylvania. And I told her, I was like, hey, I'm probably going to get kicked out for this. She said, okay, I'll follow you wherever you go. And now we're moving to Arkansas randomly. And she said, okay, let's do it. So she's she's been my rock. She's awesome. And we got a beautiful daughter now. And things are looking up for sure for us. Hopefully, hopefully good things keep happening. Yeah, no, it sounds like things are working very well for you. And again, God works all things for the good for the of those who love him. And... Keep getting closer to God. Keep with that struggle. The name of Israel yeah. means to wrestle with God. And sometimes you can you have the choice to either walk away from God or to sit there and wrestle, j- just as Jacob did, where he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and had his hip broken from it. And that was actually a blessing for him because he used to run from all of his problems. And now with the broken hip, he couldn't run from his problems. So that was a blessing for him. And it, yeah, the, the people of Israel are still around today and they and all those that that love God and follow the Bible and, and Jesus, they wrestle with God every day. Yeah, absolutely. And my wife and I actually discussed it. I'm not baptized, neither is she. A couple of weeks ago, she randomly brought it up. She said, hey, should we get my, my daughter's name is Rosie, or Rosalie, but I call her Rosie, or Rosebud. She said, hey, should we get Rosie uh, baptized? And I said, yep. I was like, but and she's, I told her, I was like, hilarious that you brought this up because i wanted to bring it up at some point also she just beat me to it once we move to arkansas as long as everything works out with that with moving down i'm like we're gonna circle into church we're gonna baptize rosie of that maybe probably but i was like we're gonna i'm gonna go i, I want to shift my lifestyle I don't, i'm not a we're not drinkers or partiers or anything like that but i'm like you know what we got put through the ringer and came out on the other end because of Somebody was looking out for us. God was looking out for us and everything's falling into place. I'm like, all right, I'm going to raise my daughter better than what I would have two years ago, three years ago, if I had been a dad then. So that's my main concern is as long as my daughter's happy, taken care of, and I can pass on to her to be a strong, good American. I'm like, I've done my job then. That's what's so amazing out of this whole COVID disaster that's through after the two weeks to flatten the country and the pandemic and everything, the good things that have come out of it are these individual wins where now you're closer to God. Your wife is closer to God. You're going to raise your child closer to God. And these are the things that we need to focus on. Absolutely. I once heard someone say that if you're standing in the sun and you have your hand sticking out and you can see the shadow underneath your hand, the dark spot close to the white spot, it's the contrast right there is so definitive. You've got dark shadow and bright white, but that's where God is. He's in that bright light. And so the darkness is right there. It's right next to it. But also Mm -hmm. if you just look at the right thing and change your perspective of how things work and run to God, because he's always there with open arms, you can have the best things in life. 
Yeah, it's definitely like you're saying, it's wild how it worked out. And I, you know, I made a hard decision and that's something not, I don't ever want to pat myself on the back, but that's something I'm proud of the stand that I took and the hill that I died on for lack of better terms. And I'm proud of my wife for going through with it. At any point, she could have said, nope, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this tunnel. She stuck with me through it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, somebody somewhere made something happen. And I'm like, it was God. It was a, I had an angel looking out for myself and my family. And I got, I got a healthy daughter now. So I'm like, I can't ask for anything else. Exactly. Mike, we're, we're running up on a hard time here. Sorry, this episode's a little shorter. We had some technical difficulties before we got started. But I want to thank you, and you'll be in my prayers, and I hope the audience will be able to pray for you that you continue to follow God's will. I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, I told John Frankman when I reached out to him, I said, do you? I said, hey, I, I don't care about the publicity of it. I was like, but any way to get the message out, and I appreciate you except letting myself and John Frankman do this as well and having a platform that goes against the grain that Americans can listen to and hear firsthand accounts of like of what actually happened. It's not all of a sudden, the, the military's not all of a sudden shines rainbows. I always tell people, the military's not a Toby Keith song. It is a corrupt machine and it spits people out. And that, that's what it that's what it did to myself, John. You had your your whole fiasco with it too. I'm just glad that there's Americans that are still willing to go against the grain and listen and act on it in a peaceful and that's manner. What being, that's what being American is going against the grain. We've been doing that since 1776, going against the grain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a firm believer in it too. I always tell people, I'm like, don't comply. Well, sir, thank you so much for your stand. Just just don't comply. Yeah. Thank you so much for your stand, and I'm proud to be standing shoulder to shoulder with you and all the other 8,500 plus service members that were discharged for not getting the shot. Yes, sir. I appreciate it to you also. Like I was saying, I couldn't be happier. And I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell the story, tell my small story, because there's a lot more guys that have happened, guys and gals that have happened to. Myself and John are one of 8,500, so I appreciate it. Exactly. Thank you. God bless. Uh, God bless. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. These are the best steaks I've ever had. They're from Riverbend Ranch. Find out how you can purchase these steaks and cook them at home. With the rising prices of meat, this is one of the best places to go. They're better than grass-fed to grass-finished. They have no growth hormones, no antibiotics, and no mRNA vaccines. Join me on October 10th at 8 central p.m. 
click the link below or go to joinmyproject.com. That's joinmyproject.com. J-O-I-N-M-Y-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. Joinmyproject.com.